At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. To the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And we are stoked. Oh my god, we are. <laughs> we got some extremely good news today. Um, today as in the recording of this episode, not today as in the day that this episode is releasing, which is still a little bit unclear. The uh, schedule is going to be a little bit... Uh, a little bit fast and loose for a, bit, a couple weeks. A little bit fun and funky. Uh, so we're recording this one um, a little bit further in advance than usual of when you will get it, um, simply because I, Alex, will be out of town all next week. Um, but do you want to share the good news or should I? Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Who who among us gets the honor? Um, Whomst? We hit our... Do you want to? I didn't know if we were going like, to trade it off. I wanted to share it, and I didn't know if it was going to work. I didn't know if you were trying to set up for like a same time thing, and I was like, all right, all right, I'm. Wait, 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 okay, I was gonna okay. just, I and was then you just, just kept waiting. I was throwing it off to you. Okay, um, Patreon goal. Yeah, Patreon goal, which means we are going to have our 2019 first ever Cryptid Keeper live show. Yo! Seriously, thank you so, 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 so much to everybody who helped make this possible. We're still kind of blown away. I really don't think it's like fully sunken in yet, but it's really, really exciting. We're so grateful. We're so excited. We've already seen so many people talking about it like, and sharing their excitement to come to the show when it happens. So <laughs> thank you. We are so jazzed for this. We cannot wait. It's going to be so, I'm very, I'm very, very, very excited. I am. Um, it's not quite set in for me yet, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, like, it, feels, same. it feels very abstract, but... It is real. Like, I'm looking at the numbers. I see that they make sense. I yeah. understand that they line up with a thing that I promised, but it's not quite, like, real. It's not real. Not, um, like, real. But like, is it even a real live show? Are we even a real podcast? Like, debatable. Well, we don't have a Casper mattress sponsorship yet, so no. But <laughs> we don't. We also don't have Stitch Fix or Blue Apron. Oh, my God. What are we doing? Um. So, anyway, <laughs> thank you so much. The live show, incidentally, for those of you wondering, will be in Chicago. We do yes. not have a venue or dates yet. Those things will be worked out in the very new near future. Yeah. Um, also, in the very near future, we hope to be able to announce to you guys our opening act, because we've got a pretty cool one that is yeah. almost certainly lined up, just pending like some dates and logistics, um, and I'm really, really excited. I think it's going to be a great time for everybody. Absolutely. It's going to be a blast. And I love Chicago. I haven't been back in a long time. I'm excited to uh, maybe make some some new happy memories there with with the pod I love. Yeah, I've been to Chicago twice, and 
both times have been like deeply phenomenal. It's been a fantastic time every time I've gone to Chicago. It's a great city that has welcomed me wonderfully both times I've been there, and I'm really looking forward to going back. So, yee! Yeah. And we have many a loved one and many a community out there. We do. We have very many friends out there. Um, I know that some people have already been talking about like showing up in cryptid costume, and I'm so hyped for that. Please do that. Oh, I hope. If you come, if you come in a horror borealis cosplay, I will cry. <laughs> oh no! Happy, yes. happy tears forever. I will never stop. So, yeah, I'm just really, really excited. I can it's, only it, I know dream. that we've just spent this several minutes, just like sort of all over the map and just fluttering, but it's really. It speaks so phenomenally to the kind of audience that we have, even more than it does to us as creators. And I'm just mm-hmm. really, really excited and so delighted and honored and humbled and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So thank you. Thank you. Can't wait to see Val Patron's Jeff the Mongoose cosplay <laughs> that we were promised. This was promised. They made a bargain. <laughs> Watch them just cut all of this out of the episode. No. <laughs> they have too much power. Uh, they do have the power, but I would hope they will not abuse it in this way. So... Anyway, it's my episode. It is your episode. I mean, it's everyone's episode. It's my episode to to talk about a guy. I'll, I'll talk about a little guy. So <laughs> it feels like a hard act to follow at this point. Like we are the act. So we started off with like this very big thing, and I am all over the place energy wise today because I'm having just this this weird just this weird trend in my life lately where like really stressful and upsetting things are punctuated by really good and exciting things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, on Sunday I got in a car accident and then had a bunch of other really bad days and then today I signed with a commercial agent and hit this Patreon goal and just a lot of, like, really good things around along with, like, some very stressful things, and it's just been a weird energetic mixture, and I'm just kind of, so that's why if I seem a little all over the place, I am, because I can't decide where to settle. Yeah, um, it's a lot. And the answer is somewhere in the middle, because I can't, my, my body and brain can't make up their minds, so. Understandable, honestly. Anyway, we're back to Japan this week. Ooh. With something that's been on my list for a while, but we kept having things that were, like, a little too similar or things that were Japanese mm-hmm. set or, like, etc. cetera. I, I did mention this friend by name, I believe, in the Hoop Snake episode. Um, oh, okay. Yes, I did in the in the Hoop Snake episode. Um, it is a Japanese cryptid. Uh, are you familiar with the Tsuchinoko? Tsuchinoko! Yeah! <laughs> This is in the uh, romanization, uh, not in the, because I can't tell you what Japanese, I don't know the names of the characters to spell that Mm -hmm. for you, spelled T-S-U-C-H-I-N-O-K-O. It is a sort of snake-adjacent creature. Its name means dirt child, which is the same. It's a friend. I love the dirt child. I respect the dirt child. (laughs) It means dirt child or hammer child. There's a lot. Stop. Hammer child. So <laughs> it is uh, referred to um, by that name in Western Japan. It also has another name in Northeastern Japan. It's called Bachihebi. So it pops up with a couple different names. It has about like eight different aliases as far as I could find, but the mm-hmm. most well known, the one that we know like the best is the Suchinoko. That's what you'll find when you look it up. Um, now it is hard to find 
to, it, this took me some sifting in the internet to find the actual cryptozoological stuff because the Stichinoko pops up in a lot of pop culture and media. It is in Metal Gear Solid 3 and 5 it, and Metal Gear <laughs> nice. Solid Portable Ops in which it is edible. It also appears in Castlevania. It's in a bunch of anime. It's also a meme. I'm going to talk about the meme. I'm going to talk about the meme later. Not right now. Um, but... <laughs> It's very, <laughs> when I decided to start actually researching it, you have to sort of comb through a lot of pop culture wikis and like video game forums mm-hmm. and um, knowyourmeme.com <laughs> to get to the Thank actual God, cryptozoological stuff. <laughs> it is um, a sort of variation on a snake. Uh, it's snake-like. It's got some crossovers with like salamanders and like slugs. There's some sort of, a lot of kind of descriptive crossover with other creatures, but it has a thin head and a thin tail and a wide body. It has... I, I want a snake with a thin tail and a long... <laughs> and a wide body. I don't know how you tell the difference between a snake's tail and its body since its tail is its body, but here we are. Um, they are about 30 to 80 centimeters long. They reportedly have fangs and venom, you know, like snakes often do. Mm-hmm. And some accounts describe it as being able to jump up to a meter in distance, immediately followed by a second jump while still in the air. Folks, this thing double jumps. Like a video game character. Oh, indeed. Oh. The Suchinoko double jumps like a video game character, and it makes me very, very happy. Also, to me, makes it make a lot of sense why it appears in a lot of video games. Yeah, that's fair. It, like, that makes sense to me. So... I don't know how to describe. I'm gonna. I'm saving one of these drawings for when the episode comes out. It'll be what I tweeted out with. But the way that this thing is often rendered is not just that its body is wide and flat, or even like mm-hmm. wide and on the same plane as its head and its tail, but it's often rendered like it has a little a little head, like a little sort of uh-huh. um, sort of triangular shaped head, like a uh, like a snake, like a lot of venomous snakes have. You know what I'm talking about? Sort of triangular. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, a little mean. thin neck. A little thin like rat tail and then the middle part is just the big fat belly <laughs> oh did you know go <laughs> like oh. a big long fat wide belly um, God, sometimes sometimes alex it's got little flipper arms i'm not prepared <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I've, I'm just like l- scrolling down Tsuchinoko image results while you're talking and I'm losing my mind. There's a render that shows it as having actually like a little like fat belly and head that are all kind of connected like a lizard and then having just a really long tail. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many sort of different variations. So uh, because of the some of them having the depiction of having little, little, uh, little legs on the front, just two little front legs. What did uh-huh. you find? Oh, my God. <laughs> Alex. Keep talking. I'm just going to um, drop in Tsuchinoko's in here. Um, but because of the, uh, the a lot of depictions having them have like two little wiggly legs in the front, um, there are a lot of sort of suspicions that it's some kind of skink. Um, Although there are also probably just as many descriptions of it without little arms. So there might, that might be either a completely different thing or it might be a variation. uh, I know what he is. What is he? He's my little baby boy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he is. That's true. Um, There's also a creature uh, that has some crossover. (laughs) 
on oh my god what did you oh my god alex <laughs> keep going this is you've accidentally found one of the memes by the way uh we're oh, gonna talk I'll, good i just found the best t-shirt i've ever seen and i want six does it say does it say suchinoko real on it suchinoko yeah that's real. okay that's the meme i'm gonna talk more about the meme later we're not at the meme yet. thank god okay no it's fine i'm just i'm just keep going we're on a train to meme town but we haven't stopped yet We've got other stops first. So anyway, also you should know the reason I mentioned the Suchinoko in the Hoop Snake episode. If you haven't heard the Hoop Snake episode, or if you've had, if you have, uh, the Hoop Snake is a snake that clutches its tail in its mouth and rolls like a like a wheel. Mm-hmm. And some great, reports of this great pal. Yeah, and some reports of the Suchinoko report it doing a similar thing. Oh, being able to roll end over end in like a little loopy loop. So it's also notable, according to Lauren Coleman, uh, frequent cited on the show, cryptozoologist on his site. Uh, it's noted for unusual vocalizations, which is really wild because, you know, snakes don't really make much sound aside from the yeah. or a rattle, um, which include chirps, grunts, howls, growls, and mimicry of various <laughs> animal sounds or even human voices. I mean, here's the thing, same. I also frequently imitate animal noises and human sounds. <laughs> I do hope that that means you can have a conversation with it. God, I hope so. Oh, if it talks in like a little, a little, little like mousy voice. It does mean that I'm allowed to ship Jeff the Mongoose and the Tsuchinoko, right? I mean, I guess, but we don't know it's Listen, like someone has to. Oh, we don't know it's sentience. Like, we don't know if it's like a mockingbird or if it's like actually oh, that's true. speaking with knowledge of the language that it's using. You can still find love. I mean, of course he can still find love. He deserves the world. Now, there's actually, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. There is a creature that has some overlap with the Suchinako. Um, mm. It's a mysterious reptile known as, all right, this one I did not look up how to pronounce beforehand, so this is going to be just on the fly. The Notsu Chitokage. The Notsu Chitokage, which is a 70 centimeter. I'm going to be Notsu Chitokage. That was such a great joke about such a timely cartoon that all of our <laughs> listeners will get and love. So oh, that joke was for Tim and no one else. Okay, the Notsuchitokage is a reptile with dark reddish coloring, and it resembles a lizard with two legs, and the lower body is long and lacks hind limbs and is kind of snaky. It's got a head that looks more like a crocodile or an alligator. So it's a little bit different, but there's some overlap, so that is why I did want to bring it up, and Lauren Coleman does also bring it up. And, cool. and there are a couple sightings of the... Notsuchitokage, you've got in 1974, it was spotted on a dirt road in the Kanagawa prefecture. There was a one meter long animal um, that was dark red with a black tongue and two visible front legs. Then in 1974, in September, Mrs. Yamazaki of Aichi prefecture was on an abandoned road on the Tokai nature trail. And she saw a bright red two-legged lizardy creature with stripes and having a mouth like a crocodile. So those are a little, couple little sightings just, um, but also old stories and like the folklore that like sort of birthed the legend of a Tsuchinoko don't make a distinction between the mm-hmm. legged and the legless ones so there's a little bit of a blurred line between these creatures so but they do sound like they look very very different i don't know why i don't know why the crocodile mouth part makes me the most uncomfortable of all of that Oh, I don't like it. Like, I don't love it. All the rest of it, I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. 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 And then you tell me crocodile mouth. And I'm just like, mm, is that not good for you? No, no. It's, that's more teeth than a snake baby is supposed to have. When they say crocodile mouth, I'm wondering if they mean the shape, like the elongated shape, not the teethies. 
I guess, but like, what's the main feature in your mind of a crocodile mouth? All right. Good point. It's those chompers. Good point, good point, good point. Good point, good point, good point. Checkmate scientists. Are you are you quite finished? I'm done, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So I would like to just a little bit more in-depth physical description of the Suchinoko, hopping over to mysteriousuniverse.org. Um also gonna let you know like where it pops up. It tends to pop up in the remote mountains of Honshu, Shikoku, and Kyushu Islands, as well as some parts of the Korean Peninsula. It's mottled black or rusty with a bright orange belly, large prominent scales, and a mouth resembling a grin, little smiley mouth. It's a cute little guy. I really like it. It's a dirt child. It has very large eyes, um, which I imagine to be very expressive and full of emotion. And the a most unique trademark characteristic is, of course, the shape of its body, which I mentioned. It's got it's got kind of a flat body with a big rounded middle, and then a little skinny, squiggly little rat tail. Oh! <laughs> Some reports describe the body as being triangular in the middle rather than round, which is a lot uh, to take in. Which the triangular one though raises some questions for me when it overlaps with this other descriptor, which some reports say uh-huh. it can spit corrosive venom from a distance, which tells me that this just might be a misidentified cobra in the cases where they say it's triangular. Because that's starting to sound like, if you see a little head, something that looks like a triangular part of a body and then a tail, that sounds mm-hmm. to me, the triangular thing, that sounds like a cobra to me. Especially when you combine that with spitting. Yeah, I was I was trying to figure out how, like, to visualize any part of the triangle. (laughs) I I was going to say triangular, and then I just ended up saying triangle really weird. (laughs) The triangle. (laughs) The triangle. Um, The bebe. Uh, I was trying to visualize what that would even look like in my head, and it didn't make any sense. But you said cobra, and now Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that that is a much more solid Mm -hmm. consideration for me. That's one of my favorite things, honestly, about cryptodescriptions is, like, when I see a thing and then try to describe it, Someone else trying to piece together what I saw based solely on that description probably would not make any Side sense. Side note, speaking of that, or not speaking of that, but speaking of what you said earlier, actually, about Jeff the Mongoose uh, and the Suchinogo, if we're going uh, with the... I'm really intrigued. If we're going with the folkloric um, portrayal of the Suchinogo rather than, like, a strictly cryptozoological, like, what kind of, like weird animal is this Mm -hmm. uh, perspective. It is portrayed as a mischievous creature with a propensity for telling lies and trying to confuse travelers. (laughs) The only way to keep them quiet was to give them alcohol, which they like. Oh my goodness. They like to have a little drink, play a little prank. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They have been rendered on pottery dating back to the earliest civilization on the islands, and they're mentioned in the Kojiki, which uh, is a text that dates from 712 and is the oldest known book in existence on ancient Japanese history. Ooh, now that is fascinating. This sucker, or at least variations on its appearance, pop up way back. Like, going way, way back. Um, There are actually, there's actually a lot of, I mentioned the Suchinoko's, like, got a lot going on in pop culture now, so you can actually find it on, like, candle, like, you can find, like, candy, not candles, candies shaped like it. You can find hot water bottles shaped like it. You can find, like, little, like, little, like, plushies and um, little, like, snacks. There's actually a picture. I'll, maybe I'll use this one when I tweet the, when I tweet about the episode. There's actually, um, Uh do you know what taiyaki is? It's like a... I pastry, uh, like with sweet pastry with a filling, is usually shaped like a fish. Okay, cool. But they have, but they have a picture in this article of some uh, Suchinoko shaped taiyaki. 
uh, which is cute. Oh, yeah, I just um, Google it. Now I know what you're talking about. I've seen these before. I just haven't. Yeah, they're good. They're yummy. Um, they usually have red bean paste in them. Anyway, this is not a food podcast. I just mm-hmm. got distracted. They are, obviously, there's the folklore, but they actually have had lots of sightings, and there is a lot of debate about if they are some sort of variant on a snake or a lizard or a skink. Uh, I've got some a sighting really quick. Actually, the sightings this time are kind of scattered throughout my sources rather than being sort of chunked together in one okay, particular cool. thing. Which is because there a couple of my sources that are for other stuff have sort of one or two sightings sort of chucked in there. Mm-hmm. So I actually, um, in 2000, um, in May of 2000, a 90-year-old farmer, Sujie Tanaka, was looking for bamboo shoots, and she happened across two metallic-colored snakes with what she described as tails like rats. Then in 1994, a 73-year-old man named Kazuaki Noda was cutting grass with his wife when they found a huge snake with a thick body like a beer bottle and a head described as being like that of a tortoise, so like that little rounded head. And then there's a couple other sightings in the area around 2000. Um, a lot of older folks finding them, which is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. An 82-year-old named Mitsuko Arima found or saw, uh, bleh, saw one swimming in the river in June of 2000. She says its eyes were the most striking feature. She says that I can still see the eyes now. They were big and round, and it looked like they were floating on the water. I've lived for over 80 years, but I've never seen anything like that in my life. That's kind of romantic. It, honestly, when you describe just the big, beautiful eyes floating over the water, I go immediately to the fish man from The Shape of Water, and that's not where I should be right now. It's like, but I like, saw a terrible cryptid. What do you remember most about it? It's eyes. Like, it's eyes. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. The girl reading this. Tsuchinoko, so. <laughs> ex-reader. Um, one more of these. Stop that. <laughs> one more of these from this article before I hop to a different one is that um, in May of 2000, a farmer saw a snake-like creature with a face like a famous Japanese cartoon cat. And I don't know what the cat that it's referring to is because they don't tell me. And I want to know. A certain famous Japanese cartoon cat. Like, there's one that my mind immediately goes to. Who are you thinking of? Hello Kitty. <gasps> Kitty, it is, she doesn't have a mouth. Did it not have a mouth? I don't know. Did it just have big ol' eyes and, like, no mouth? Because if that's if that's what it means, then that's it doesn't have a mouth. Because Hello Kitty has no mouth. And she must scream. <laughs> Thank you. I knew that was coming. Thank you. So, um, I want to get into a few okay, more. Okay, I'm going to Google something real weird and tell you what Tsuchinoko Hello Kitty comes up with. You know what? Okay, I guess, if you want to do that. So... Hmm. I've got a potential uh, explanation for the Tsujinoko before I hop over to some more sightings. Yeah, do it. Lay it on me. A couple potential explanations for the Tsujinoko. There is a type of skink. It is a, a blue-tongued skink. It is uh, of the genus Tilakwa. They're really hardy. They're easy to keep as pets, and they're not native to Japan, but they're kept as pets by some people in Japan. So there is... An argument that, like, people either release them in the wild, like, a lot of times people do with exotic pets when they don't know how to mm-hmm. care for them, or, yeah, like, sure. they got out, and those, there's, like, a little, there's an argument that there's, like, a population of them there now, and that's what the modern Tsuchinoko sightings maybe are, because um, they do, especially if you're talking about the variant with, like, the little feetsies, they do kind of have a little head and sort of a rounded body that tapers into a thinner tail, like, they do have that mm-hmm. sort of look, but they are described as being smaller than the Tsuchinoko usually is, and... 
they um there's not really a mention of the tongue ever being like the blue tongue doesn't really come into the story with the suchinoko usually you see a, like described no, nothing about that or like a black tongue so that wouldn't necessarily line up but it does it is like a potential it does make sense so how how big is the suchinoko usually because i I'm sure that you said I've just um, been looking at so many is, little pictures, and I'm, I'm envisioning it as being, like... Um, 30 to 80 centimeters. Okay. Then you've got the issue of the sounds. And, of course, a potential explanation for this is either a snake that had evolved to make other sort of vocalizations, because most snakes are not particularly vocal. They, um, they mostly do variations on hisses, aside from, of course, the rattlesnake, which has its little mm-hmm. rattler. But there is the possibility that a snake could evolve to not necessarily, you know talk to people, though, I mean, read your Bible lately. Um, anyway, uh, that was, I don't know why I went there. That was a weird, <laughs> snakes can talk. They tell you to eat fruit. But it does make sense that perhaps there might be species of snakes that we haven't discovered yet that make other vocalizations, like maybe like clicking. Oh, or yeah, like that's fair. Gr- gruntings and things like that. Then the hoop rolling. <laughs> um, there is, uh, that is also a bit of a, a tricky thing. There might be something to be said for it being uh, just like, a sort of a snake with like a very aggressive sort of ambulation, like the like a sort of sidewindery ambulation and like moving very quickly. And it seems like people are misinterpreting and exaggerating with time, playing a big game of cultural telephone like we often do as people. Sure, of course. Um, some other potentials based on the visual descriptions of it are um, true vipers and pit vipers, um, particularly the genus that includes cottonmouths and copperheads, because those have the sort of like squared head like the sort of, and like big, big, big eyes. So those sort of have some of the visual mm-hmm. descriptions. And then because there's a lot of overlap with water, there's also a possibility of it being some sort of semi-aquatic snake, um, like a water moccasin. So those are some of the possibilities, but none of them quite line up to the descriptions. So if you want to kind of buy into any one of those, you have to sort of allow for some wiggle room and allow for the possibility of exaggeration, which like, of course, I get there is going to be some but like there are some possibilities in terms of what critter it could be and then there's always my favorite which is it's a critter we haven't found yet i mean that's Um, always my favorite go-to oh yeah and also like there's some we're finding new animals all the time like why not why not be some kind of new snaky skinky friend that we haven't met yet I would like to hop into some sightings. I also just laughed because this site, this is paranormalpapers.com where I'm getting some of my Mm -hmm. sightings, uh, has a, uh, has a, um, one of the translations of the name, instead of calling it Hammer Child, is Hammer Spawn, which is a lot. That is Um, a lot, and I love it. Oh, this site actually says who this, the creature looked like. It looked like, uh, do you know Doraemon? It is a cartoon cat creature it's blue uh yes 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 that was the cartoon cat that it supposedly looked like according to um well that's very powerful yeah i don't know what to do with that information it's a lot and i'm really grateful to paranormal papers uh for telling me who the cartoon cat was because that Mm -hmm. was gonna haunt me till the day i die so um a lady found the snake's body in this particular sighting, apparently. Uh, there's a little more explanation on this site. She found the snake's body that decided to bury it, then realized it might be important, like a species the species that had never been discovered. So she dug it up and sent it to the Kawasaki University of Medical Welfare to be examined. And then what happened after that is shrouded in mystery. <laughs> the events did trigger a hunt for the creature with people flocking to the area after the local government offered a 20 million yen reward for proof 
of its existence around that is around two hundred thousand dollars. Oh my god, that was going to be my next question, and I was not expecting it to be that much. Oh yeah. Um, also, apparently in 1969, a live Sujinoko was captured by M. Tokutake. <gasps> he says he captured it using a forked stick and kept it for two days before deciding to eat it. Oh no! <laughs> Sorry. No, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, sometimes a man's got to eat. That was my baby boy. <laughs> Alex, I'm so sorry. Alex, I'm so sorry about your son. My son. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My tiny, tiny son. Alex, I'm... <laughs> I can't... This is... T- it's all, I can't stop laughing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> they killed him. <laughs> they killed him dead. <laughs> my baby boy. Oh, no. I'm, I've got some more sightings. Do you want to hear them? Yeah, it's fine. I've got some fun direct sight. They're, they're sightings directly quoted from, like, a couple directly quoted from people, but, like, my favorite kind, which don't give any names or information. They just say, a Japanese woman said. I love this one. This is, this is the woman who saw it in the water, but, like, this is okay, her actual okay. statement about it. She says, I was surprised. I just pointed at it and asked, who are you? Who are you? It didn't answer me, but just stared. It had a round face and didn't take its eyes off me. I can still see the eyes now. They were big and round, and it looked like they were floating on the water. I've lived over 80 years, but I'd never seen anything like that in my life. I love that her instinct was to ask it who it is. Yeah, that's powerful, honestly. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Honestly, I think that uh, I think that maybe more of us should make that our first instinct. Instead of asking what someone is doing in our space or like what are you or even instead of trying to determine like what gives something else the right to occupy the same space as us, i think maybe we just need to start with who are you and also yeah. you know it's easy to to yell and shout and try to cast out a weird snake creature that shows up unexpectedly and maybe is mimicking the human voice but who are you i think maybe can we all just take a moment dedicate ourselves to opening a dialogue the next time we are confronted with the strange and unexpected. Oh, that's beautiful. I was going to say, I also remembered of how many of these stories end with, like, neighborhood children seeing something and then just throwing rocks at it. And Yeah, and I don't love that either. Just ask it who it is first. A farmer thought he spotted one while cutting grass. He described what he saw as a snake-like creature with a face like Doraemon. Second one. Second oh account of it looking like this cat. The farmer hit the... Y'all, if you are, don't, are not familiar with what Doraemon's face looked like, like, look it up right now, because it's... Spelled D-O-R... Probably not what you're expecting. Oh. Spelled D-O-R-A-E-M-O-N. The farmer hit the beast with his weed whacker, but the crafty thing managed to escape. So, uh, one point to the Tsuchinoko. Then, in 2001, the town of Mikata claimed to have captured one, and they put it on display, but declined to do... Sorry, this is really cute. But declined to do any scientific testing to confirm its identity as a Tsuchinoko, saying it needed to rest. Oh, (laughs) that's the kind of Tsuchinoko allyship I crave. (laughs) That made my heart just swell. Um, I love that also, like, even if this is, like, a scam because they just captured, like, a cool snake, I love the idea that everyone's like, well, can we have our scientists look at it? And they're like, no. Why? He needs to rest. He needs to rest. Someone respected my son. (laughs) This captured Tsuchinoko is a meter long with a black body and a black tongue. Oh. Yeah. 
I don't know why I keep thinking of him as so much smaller. Again, I think it's because I'm looking at all these very cute little tiny pictures of him just being like a little guy. Well, to be fair, there's some variation in the size. Like, again, 30 to 80 centimeters is a pretty wide variation uh, as, like, the yeah, average size. Yeah, I know. I'm just thinking of, like, like a little guy that's, like, hanging out in my hands and, oh. like, maybe cuddled up in my arms. And, like, he's just got a little belly. But, like, then you think of him as being three feet long. And it's just like, yes. I mean, you can you can definitely snuggle up to that. A unit of a boy. You better believe I will. <laughs> He's a good boy. Um, a couple more potential explanations of what kind of snack he might be um, come from, I just also wanted to be able to cite this website, to be completely honest, which is mm-hmm. snake-facts.weebly.com. Oh, nice. <laughs> which cites um, two potential um, snakes that it might be misidentified, like or that might be misidentified as the Sushinoko, which are the um, Yamakagashi uh, or the Mamushi. Uh, those are venomous snakes found in China, Japan, and Korea. So those are a couple well, right of potential then. little guys. Um, also, <laughs> I have a lot of like kind of overlapping sites, but just things that have a few little things that I want to share that just make that just sort of tickle my fancy. A uh, couple things. First of all, that this website, abookofcreatures.com, lists some translations as its name as Child of the Earth or Mallet Child. Um, which I enjoy. It also references, and I wish I could find a source that could confirm this, it references that sightings go back to uh, around as far as 1807, which is in the Edo period. Um, I have confirmation that there are like sort of artistic renderings of it that go back a long time and sort of discussions of Mm -hmm. it that go back a long time, but I can't find confirmation that the sightings actually go back that far. But we can believe. Yeah, it's fun to believe. Also, in 2000, there was a discovery of an alleged Tsuchinoko skeleton in Yoshi Okayama Prefecture, and that also helped sort of launch the snakes, the, the snake creatures' popularity and popular culture, like in the modern day age. The 2000, the yeah, the 2000 discovery of the skeleton kind of catapulted it into like tabloids and people talking about it again. So helped sort of reinvigorate his popularity. If you want some further reading on it, actually, as well, the site, the sources cited for this website uh, are very uh, some good resources. You've got from 2009, uh, published by University of California Press, Berkeley, Pandemonium and Parade: Japanese Monsters in the Culture of Yokai. And then there's another book uh, by the same author, which is uh, M. G. Foster, called The Book of Yokai, and and then there's another book that's uh, by M. O'Shea, which is just called Venomous Snakes of the World. Um, so those are fun. Now, let me hop over to an article that I found from Japan Times about a town that was claiming they had found, they claimed that they had found the Tsuchinoko. Um, this is a little bit more information. If I'm not mistaken, I think this is the one that they said they found it, but he needs to rest. This is from 2001, so this is some more information on it. Yeah, this is the same one. Okay. Because the original one didn't say the specific, like, so many specific details. So this was from 2001, published. This is a translated, uh, this is translated, but it was, um, this is the English version. But uh, this was by Kenzo Moriguchi, is the writer of this article. Uh, It is Town Touting Math, I can't talk. Town Touting Mythical Snake Find. Is Rare Creature Really a Cash Cow? So... In Mikata, Hyogo Prefecture, there was a discovery of a quote-unquote Tsuchinoko. It was mentioned, then they gave a little background that it was first referenced in the Kojiki from the 8th century. Um, So the story's been around for such a long time. And then there is a local government official named Toshikazu Miyawaki. He says that they've had the creature on display since its capture on June 6th. He says it may well be a mythical animal, but the town is in no rush to test its authenticity. And his specific quote, he says... 
we decided to let it first recover in an environment similar to the natural habitat it is used to. They built a cage on a patio of its souvenir shop in the town, and the animal will be transferred to the cage as soon as it is ready. They're claiming that it squeaks like a mouse, has a thick body thicker than its head or tail. Oh. I know. Um, he says... I am weak. He says, given such criteria... The creature we have here might be a Suchinoko, Miyawaki says. When the creature was brought to the town hall, its body was really thick and short, and several people did hear it squeak. <laughs> um, now, this is not the first time the town has made claims of Suchinoko in the town. In 1989, under the mayor, Sujio Yoshida, uh, there was a reward announced where 330 square meters of land would be given to a person who captured a Suchinoko. Then, yeah, so this is like oh. popped up before. And Miyawaki says that the creature is about 70 centimeters long, and that was when it was when it was caught, and now it measures more than one meter, so it's grown in captivity. They're taking very good care of the boy. Oh, a bigger boy. And so locals have greeted the latest discovery with curiosity. So a woman from the town who is not named says, wow, it is very black, even its tongue. I've never seen a snake like this. It's more like a dinosaur. <gasps> Which is really, oh, I knew you'd like that. It got better. I knew you'd like that. Um, and Miyawaki says, even if it turns out not to be a Tsuchinoko, it might be a new snake never before found in the world. I hope this snake will be the first such species recognized in the 21st century. And I don't know what happened after that, but I sure hope it was nice. Um, Me too. I just find that town very, I just was very charmed by that. Just very charmed by the sort of gentle kindness of that whole story. Finding the snake and being like, don't bother him. He must rest. Give him his natural habitat. Let him be comfortable. Yes. It's He needs to sleep. He needs to sleep. Oh, he's so good. So now I'd like to, uh, we're nearing the end here. I would like to talk a little bit about the meme. So... Tell me about the meme. I'll tell you about your memes, boy. So dailydot.com has a... <laughs> has an article about the meme. This is from 2017. This is an article by Jay Hathaway, and it is titled, Is Suchinoko Real? This new meme says yes. Suchinoko <laughs> is a snake-like creature from Japanese mythology. We've got a little description. It's two and a half feet long. It's venomous. It can jump a meter. It can double jump. I love it. I keep forgetting and then remembering, and it's like, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's really good that it can double jump. It also is the inspiration for... Dunsparce, the Pokemon? I don't know. It's if you look it up. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, I know Dunsparce. It's the supposedly the inspiration for Dunsparce. So that's also something fun to know. Oh, that's um, very good. It appears in Metal Gear Solid. It appears in the anime Yokai Watch, which I've had recommended to me multiple times after doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. I need to watch it someday. Now, in 2017, Suchinoko Real became a catchphrase for joking that the Suchinoko currently walks slash crawls the earth. So Tumblr's best meme blog, Meme Documentation, traces the origins of the meme to a July post by Tumblr user Moon Landing was faked. It showed a picture of three cats and a Suchinoko-like snake. It's a, if you, I'll, I'll, maybe this will be the picture that I use. Uh, I keep just picking different pictures, but it's a picture of three cats staring very concerned at this like, they're in a circle, and in the middle, there's a snake with a little head, big round belly, and a little mm -hmm. tail. Mm -hmm. That was posted with the caption, Suchinoko Real. So it got more than 18,000 Tumblr notes. It was like this one-off phenomenon, but the meme got started in earnest with the December launch of a Tumblr called Picks That Make You Go Suchinoko Real. <laughs> <laughs> and it is 
I went to the, if you go to the Tumblr now, it's just like a regular Tumblr. Um, but you will see somebody asked, somebody gave them an Anon question a while back that said, are you going to be making very many Tsuchinoko posts anymore? And they responded with just every post Tsuchinoko post. That is powerful. Yeah, so that's like good to know. Every post Tsuchinoko post. And so that's pretty cool. And it has a lot of pictures of, like, memes and uh, a lot of snakes that are, like, full of food in their tummies. Like, that's a lot of what people use as pictures when they're talking about the Tsuchinoko is pretty clearly just, like, regular snakes that have eaten a big meal and are all, like, round in the belly. So there's a lot of variations. And then there's fan art that spanned out of this. Memes, like, this, like, super, like, pictures of, like, there's, like, a picture of Shaquille O'Neal with, like, laser eyes that just says Tsuchinoko real. <laughs> it's, like, a very good meme that I like a lot. There's an emoji. Someone made a Tsuchinoko emoji. It has just become this, it has become this big meme. It, it, it um, pops up everywhere. People have been, like, people would draw it, like, in MS Paint and then post it on Tumblr and write Tsuchinoko real. Mm -hmm. And then there's some really cute art of a Tsuchinoko with the trans flag and a Tsuchinoko uh, with a lesbian flag. And they're, like, nuzzling noses. And it says, Tsuchinoko's Aww. real and they're gay, uh, which is real cute. Or there's, like, edits of, like, have you said, seen that, like, four-panel meme that's, like, a kid in, like, a flannel shirt and he's, like, guy says something mean to me? I don't care. The original is, like, guy says something mean to a girl. It's beat down time but the remake of it is like guy says something mean to me i don't care guy said suchinoko not real it's beat down time that's me that kid is me yeah so anyway um when you sent me one of the cute little images that you sent me that was fan art of suchinoko said suchinoko real on it and uh i wanted to make sure that you knew that that is part of this wonderful I meme. I saw very many. Yeah. I saw very many that said suchinoko real that's the meme and i was just ready to i was just ready to accept yeah, it yeah suchinoko but... real that's the meme, Suchinoko Real. That's so good. Um, and you actually... Suchinoko Real. You will find a lot about it um, all across the internet. Uh, and like I said, it's a little hard to comb through because you will find a lot of pop culture stuff. Um, but if you are interested in that too, you can also find that. Uh, there's also a polyvinyl... Uh, figurine um from clawmarktoys.com there is one left in stock collect club series oh. two suchinoko's japanese snake cryptid oh so anyway uh this little friend pops up all over the internet and um is really cute and i do wonder if it's possible that it might just be a snake with a really full belly i mean here's the thing that doesn't make me love it less that's fair and respectable suchinoko real even if Tsuchinoko just real to me. Oh. And um, never forget that the Tsuchinoko can double jump. Thank God. Honestly, thank you again Never, ever, for ever, that ever, gift. ever forget the Tsuchinoko can double jump. By the way, I only found that in one source, but I am never going to let it go and I'm never going to forget it. So it's real and it's true and it's a as fact. As far as I'm concerned now, that's the most defining characteristic of the Tsuchinoko. It being able to jump really high is something that pops up in a lot of places or jump really far. The double jumping thing. Mm -hmm. Just there's no other way for me to interpret able to do a second jump while still in the air. That's it. It, it can double jump. No, that's a double jump. Sonic who? Give me a video game franchise. Seriously, please give us the Tsuchinoko. So anyway, um, it's like not a super lengthy or super uh, heavy philosophy episode uh, this time. We got a little deep. We got a little real with the women in white. And I thought I'd bring something kind of silly, kind of cute. I love it. I'm really happy to have this friend here with us. I will say survival tips wise, I don't often dispense a lot of them, that it is probably, according to most reports, venomous. So just I would give it the respect you would give any wild animal. Um, 
even though it's very cute and good for it and, and like seems to be very good for hugs, I would make sure that it is down before you pursue any sort of hugs or contact because wild animal and venomous, mm, yeah. possibly with the capability of spitting venom. So just like... Like a Dilophosaur. Wow. Yeah, or like a spitting cobra. Wow. So, you know, like in terms of survival tips, nothing too, nothing too detailed or difficult, just like... Be respectful like you would with any wild animal if you happen to encounter one. Be kind to the Tsuchinoko. It's a little baby boy. It's a baby. <laughs> Even if it is not a cryptid and it's just a snake with a really full tummy, be nice. Because he's, he's had a full meal and he, he just needs to, to rest. rest. <laughs> he needs to he rest. He needs to rest. I'm just going to print that out and put it on little cards and like give it to my professors when I don't want to do an assignment or when I have to miss a class. <laughs> just write... He needs to rest. <laughs> Sorry that Addison was not in class yesterday. He needs to rest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. So anyway, I I really love this little friend. I love snakes. I've talked about this before on the show. And hmm. so a snake with this kind of... Um, when you take, like, the thing that is probably the most menacing about most snakes, in my opinion, and that's kind of the way that they move and the way that they kind of are very sleek and very um, kind of menacing and, like, sinuous. Not the venom? It's not the venom for you? Well, I'm, I, I know people who are scared of even non-venomous snakes. So, like... Oh, okay. Yeah, that's Like, fair. that is, like, the universal thing that makes people, I think, afraid of them is, like, the way they move and the way they look and, like, kind of the shiny sleekness of them makes them seem intimidating. So the idea of one that's just mm-hmm. got a little chubby... Little chubby like beer belly makes me just uproariously happy. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> he's just a chubby little friend who needs to rest. He's a chubby little friend who needs to rest. And honestly, aren't we all a little bit? So a little bit, yeah. I I feel the spirit of Tsuchinoko deep. I think in my lean soul. into the Tsuchinoko and um, have a nice big meal and take a nice rest. And maybe uh, if you want to go the folklore route, uh, tell some lies and prank some tourists. I guess. Uh, and listen, I have one last thing to say about the Tsuchinoko, uh-huh. which is, you may not like it, but this is what peak performance looks like. <laughs> this is the ideal male body. This it is, honestly. I'm just very happy we got to spend some time with him today. I'm very, very troubled by the image of it rolling, but the rest of it is very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Here he come! <laughs> Here he come. But I only found that pop up in a few places as well, and I just don't know that I buy into that as a canon. So... The Sichinoko is a friend. We love him. He's a friend and a boy. Um, And again, if you can take any lesson from this episode, it should be to have a nice snack, a nice nap. And uh, I guess, again, if you're feeling a little mischievous, lead some travelers astray. I just realized that, like, the average pitch of my voice for this episode is approximately three octaves higher than usual. Oh, yeah. You're getting into sort of, like, talking to your dog zone. Vocal fry? I don't know her. No, you're getting into, like, Alex talking to bear territory. He's just a little boy. I know. Um, so anyway, thank you for joining me for this sort of uh, chill, low-stakes, high-snakes hangout. And uh, <laughs> I love thanks, it. thanks, thanks. I'm here all week. I'm on spring break. And <laughs> um, thank you, uh, everyone, so much again. Oh, my God, for helping us reach our goal. Holy crap. Oh, so exciting. <laughs> um, Holy moly. Holy um, I could be heck. like Bella in the Twilight books and say holy crow, which she says in the Twilight book. Holy crow is a thing that holy Bella says crow. in the Twilight books. Indeed. Holy Tsuchinoko, um, Batman. So anyway, uh, do you have any further announcements, Alex? 
No, just thanks again to everybody. I'm sorry that our schedule, our upload schedule got a little bit hecked up. Like I said, I am uh, at a conference this week in DC all week long, helping um, some very, very, very important high schoolers um, achieve the dreams of their future. So oh, yeah. don't be mad. But also if I'm tweeting like 5,000% less than usual, don't be concerned. So yeah, um, I guess just as always, thank you so much to our audio wizard, Val Patroon. Yes. Thank you to our theme song writer and in-house composer, Andrew Giada. Uh, thank you so much to, if I'm thinking about this right in my head, and this, well, this has to go out after the Galaxy Warp episode, because what I'm about to say otherwise yeah. will be irrelevant. But thank you so much to Ink Tank for covering the last episode of The Cryptid Keeper for our Lunar Light Studio April Fool's Galaxy Galactic Warp Swap thing. I think it's called the Galaxy Warp. It's called the Galaxy Warp. <laughs> you put warp. a lot of words in that. It's called Galaxy it's Warp. It's definitely though. called the Galaxy Warp. <laughs> it's okay. You did a good job. I'm proud of you. Thanks. But we hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, we uh, hope that you checked out the one that we did for the Good Boys Girls. And we hope that you take this opportunity to check out all sorts of the other shows on the Lunar Light Studio Network. We're very happy to be a part of it. And we are in great company over there, along with shows such as The Good Boys Girls, Badvertising, Ending Pending, Comradical. You took uh, that one. I was going to say that one. Um, oh, you were going to say, you want to say Comradical? Comradical. Netflix and Kill. Comradical. Netflix and Kill. <laughs> uh, shoot, what happened? We said Overwitch. Um, storyboard. What you call it? There are others. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You did good. We did them out of order, and now I'm confused. Artificial Ghost Radio. Check them out, too. Yeah. Um, and, again, massive thank you to everyone listening, everyone who's been a part of supporting this show. And, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.